0: You can't go! All the plants are gonna die. I'm gonna take a bath. Bad dates. I'll alert the media. Boys, keep off the moors. It's evil!
1: Don't touch it.
0: The name's Pliskin.
1: No war! Hang on!
2: Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're rewatching the '80s, so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in chronological order, overanalyzing what you've seen and spoiling what you haven't. I'm Patrick O'Reilly.
3: I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells.
2: And today we're discussing Sphinx released Are <laughs> <laughs> you freaking out about the spider. A little bit.
4: I just <clears throat> I'll protect you, Richard. It's okay. He's it's so not big. a black widow. It's just a big it's not spider. That it's just big. a really freaking okay.
2: big spider. And today we're discussing Sphinx, released February 11th, 1981. It was written by John byram based on the novel by Robin Cook, directed by Franklin J. Schaffner, and released by Warner Brothers. Kelly Rowland of Destiny's Child was born the day this was released. Oh. Happy birthday, Kelly Rowland. I'm not familiar with their music.
4: You're not familiar with any music. I know, but
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. You've I, heard of Destiny's Child, though, yes? I've heard of that. She's it, one of the voices on that.
3: Okay. It, it's, not, it's not, a. despite the band's name, it is more than one person?
2: Yes. They, okay. It's <laughs> technically it's Destiny's kind of Children. It's Destiny's like children. the Lone <laughs> Rangers. Yes. <laughs> Robin Cook's novel, Coma, was made into a film in 1978 and its follow-up, Sphinx, originally titled Tombs, which makes more sense, Mm -hmm. hadn't even been released when the film rights were bought by Orion Pictures for $1 million. For the film's expansive reproduction of King Tutankhamun's tomb, $1 million were spent replicating 900 artifacts.
4: Wow. That's pretty cool. And you know what? I think it paid off. Yeah, I think so too. It looks like it. I did um, the... uh, There was a piece put together a a vr piece put together for the for king tut's tomb yeah that, that was going around um and so you got to sort of fly through the tomb and see the artifacts up close and you know it, and i actually felt like this was a good representation of what i saw in that piece
2: that's cool 30 minutes worth of footage disappeared in transit to cairo which means this could have been two hours and 30 minutes long oh, no i God. think it was 30 minutes of dailies disappeared okay Um, But at the time, there was already a strained relationship uh, with our countries at the time, and so they decided not to pursue, like, an expansive investigation into where this footage went. Jill Clayburg turned down the role of Erica Barron, and Rutger Hauer turned down the role of Hazan.
4: I could see him in there.
2: Yeah. I think he would have been a better choice.
3: Uh, I don't think it would have worked out as romantically as interesting. Uh, well, you know, but you know what? I keep, you know, I'm thinking of Roger Hauer later, and it, I'm, I'm more familiar with his later works. Yeah. So I I, I think, because even, but even in Lady Hawk, he looks kind of like older.
2: Yeah. We start in Thebes, Egypt, 1301 BC. A dog sits on top of a hill in the Valley of the Kings, and we hear a loud growl from the hills behind it. The first sound is almost Wookie-ish, but the next sound is very familiar to me. Okay. It actually sounds a lot like the sound effect they used for the breathing of the sargassum fish in our 1970 review of Don Barton's Zat. Mm. I'm pretty sure it's the same stock sound effect, but I'll play them both here. This is the Egyptian growl. And here is the sargassum fish breathing. So I'll leave that up to you.
4: I don't think they sound anything alike. (laughs) Oh my god, I can't believe how much they sound alike. I'm
2: going to put both of those in. (laughs) Two workmen are startled by the noise. They rush into a hole they're digging and break through a wall into the burial chamber of the ancient Egyptian pharaoh Tutankhamun. One man in the burial chamber urges them to stop looting and leave. When he tries to drag them away from the gold, one of them smashes him in the face with a candlestick, and three gravediggers escape and leave the unconscious man behind. Upon escaping, the men are caught by guard dogs and dragged to Menefta, the royal architect, and we cut directly to High Noon, The three greedier gravediggers are staked to the ground in the hot sun, while the reluctant one is tied to four horses, one for each limb. Menefta is in charge of building a burial chamber for Pharaoh Seti I, and asks how it can be so easily robbed. The prisoner says that any tomb can be robbed the second it isn't guarded. He says he only wanted one statue to afford embalming for his parents, but the others were blinded by greed. The prisoner is whipped repeatedly, and Menefta makes him repeat himself. The prisoner says a second time that his cohorts were blinded by the treasure, and Menefta takes this comment to heart. With his last words, the prisoner puts a curse on the men sentencing him to death and anyone else who enters the tomb. Menefta calls for the four horses to be rushed in opposite directions, tearing the man in half at the torso with a loud pop.
3: This was really intense, and I did not expect it to be as visual as it was. I thought thought at most they would just cut away and you just hear like a momentary scream or you would
2: just see that the yeah. horses separated yeah
4: well and this is what is called drawn and quartered right correct right. and i and i guess i've heard of it in other you know contexts and movies and stuff like that but i don't think i've ever actually seen it represented on screen
2: um have you seen braveheart
4: uh probably i think
2: they do some do of they it in do there. that in there they do a lot of stuff on that movie though the other men staked to the ground begin screaming terrified as the horses get back to their ones Menefta tells an assistant that he has learned an important lesson from the stone cutter that they just snapped like a rubber band. He tells the assistant that the secret will last much longer than they will. And then we cut to the official ceiling of Tut's tomb. Then we cut thousands of years into the future to the tomb's eventual discovery in 1922. We see a hole poked in the wall and an eye peers into the tomb. And then we flash forward another 60-ish years to the present, where the film will be taking place in a museum exhibition where the artifacts from the tomb are on display. Despite both being educated Egyptologists, Erica Baron and Aida are telling each other the story of the chamber's original discovery based on the written testimony of the two men who first entered the cave, Lord Carnarvon, the financier, and Howard Carter, the actual discoverer of the tomb. Once inside the chamber, they discovered a common oil lamp on the floor, which earlier we saw was left behind by one of the thieves who were put to death. The testimonies of Carnarvon and Carter differ in exactly one detail. Carnarvon claims that there was a roll of papyrus by the door, but Carter makes no mention of it. The only other person present was Carter's foreman, Sarwat Rahman, who left no surviving testimony.
3: Now, we get uh, a performance flashback of this. Right. Um, although, it is the only time that this will happen in the movie, and I think it, I thought it was really strange that i thought well, we're, we're gonna come back to these people or have more about see this more of flashback. this yeah. Yeah. especially since some of the people in the flashback are actors of note
2: and that get pretty highly credited on the on the imdb list
3: yeah uh and and so i was like okay so i, I at first i wasn't really sure what the timelines of things were so because because we start off in in bc uh and then we cut to this hole being poked and an eye looking through
2: which is when they found the tomb
3: right which will we'll, which we'll we discover that, yeah. later um and then we're in the present but then we're back in the past again yeah <laughs> so just for like, a minute and then yeah, we go back to the, yeah. the
2: present and we stay in the present for the rest but in the initial discovery of the tomb ramon is ordered out by carter who intends to photograph and catalog everything before anyone else is allowed inside obviously carter assumed that egyptians couldn't be trusted with their own artifacts which is ironic because upon his death 18 artifacts from tut's tomb were discovered among his possessions they were taken Oops. illegally from the country artifacts which took many years to find their way back to egypt in this scene Rahman is squatting right about where the papyrus was and dutifully exits the chamber and i think the implication is that he stole the papyrus he it, here right yeah Carnarvon's wife is also in the chamber with him but for some reason they weren't aware of this in the future so maybe she didn't count as a person in 1922 She doesn't think that the workers want to enter the chamber, let alone steal from it.
4: I doubt they'll even want to.
0: They think there's a curse on whoever comes in here. A (laughs) curse? My dear,
2: you've been in the sun too long. Do you recall the last time that someone was called insane for being in the sun too long? It was an assistant coach. Who saw a kid throw a shot put hundreds uh, of yards? Jesus, no. I've
4: already blocked that entire movie from my memory. What
2: movie? I oh. don't know. I don't
4: know. Earth- I'm Earthbound. not even. No, I was gonna name it. Also <laughs> known
3: as Mother. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think I think Mother was Earthbound three, right? Oh, okay. What? I don't know.
4: Is that a subtitle of another movie or something? Uh,
2: no, it's, it's a, a video a game. Video game reference.
3: <laughs>
4: oh, I don't get it.
2: That's what Ness is from. From Smash Brothers.
4: Mm-mm
0: less than four months later lord carnarvon died mysteriously within months 21 other people associated with the opening of the tomb died in inexplicable ways
2: in real life carnarvon was bitten by a mosquito and later cut the bite shaving which became infected and he died from blood poisoning sir arthur conan doyle was quick to blame elementals infused in the tomb by king tut's priests and people went crazy for that story Tutankhamen's curse, or the curse of the pharaohs as it became known, has been largely debunked, and of the 58 people present for the opening of the tomb and sarcophagus, only 8 died in the next dozen years. In fact, Carnarvon's daughter Evelyn Beauchamp, who was among the first to enter the tomb, survived until a month into this film's production. In fact, she died the same day they filmed the scene opening the tomb. Okay. Coincidence? I, mean, I made that part up.
3: <laughs> Not, oh. <laughs> so the well but hold on though, backing up, these these are based on real people.
2: Right. These characters. Yes, Howard Carter and Lord Carnarvon were mm-hmm. the people that were there at the time. Uh but she did she the the character that I mentioned, the, the daughter of of Carnarvon, did survive up until a month into the production, but mm-hmm. I have no idea what they were shooting that day.
3: <laughs> Which one found the Stargate?
2: That was Carnarvon. <laughs> Actually his wife found it she fell through it. Aida freely admits that the curse is a lot of mumbo jumbo, but she will mention it in her presentation because it sells tickets.
0: It's the same everywhere. The minute I mention in Boston to anyone that I'm an Egyptologist, all they want to talk about is pyramid power.
2: Aida asks about living in America, and Erica tells her that she lived with a fellow Egyptologist who was granted tenure when she wasn't. He wanted her to move to Chicago with him, and they separated.
0: The only man that interests me now is my friend Menephtah well he's an excellent choice of topic for your paper
2: we see erica hop out of a taxi in a cairo marketplace it's been interesting to see all these egyptian movies shooting on location in egypt so far in the 80s because i feel like we don't do that anymore
1: Mm
3: -hmm. well and uh i mean this is getting ahead of ourselves but it's the 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 differences in this movie of 1981 present day cairo versus raiders of the lost ark which is supposed to be depicting 30s cairo right and what they had to do for raiders because they've also shot in cairo right but to to age it down to age it down to like they to like like not digitally but they had to like remove all the antennas from the roofs. oh interesting uh we'll get into that when we get into raiders but yeah they had to do all this stuff to edit the film to make it look like early cairo and you're seeing it here in this it's like a bustling city
2: yeah erica is swarmed with children who won't leave until she dumps a pack of cigarettes over their heads and they disperse that's she can... how i get our kids to leave me alone <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fine here's your here's your marlboros get out she continues stepping over a sleeping dog and into a shop run by a man named abdu hamdi played by sir john gilgood hamdi is currently refusing service to a mr Marcolis, as played by john rice davies
0: i'm tired of playing games old man this is your last chance I can't help you, Mr. Marcolis. Oh, if you will excuse me, I have a customer. We both just ran out of
2: time. Marcolis shoves Erica on his way out and kicks the dog off the porch.
0: Yeah,
3: <laughs> it was like a really aggressive exit. Um, but also, I was very excited because this is the first of many Indiana Jones references yeah. that will be yeah. in this movie. Oh my <laughs> God.
2: She introduces herself as Dr. Erica Barron, an employee of Dr. Lowry, and Hamdi seems familiar. She apologizes if it's a bad time.
0: There is no bad time for speaking to a beautiful woman and a beautiful Egyptologist. (laughs) This surpasses in miracles the invention of steam.
2: (laughs) He walks her out of the shop and upstairs to his office for tea. Hamdi explains that Mr. Marcolis is frustrated because Egypt has wised up and is cracking down on the sale of ancient artifacts. All he has to offer now are carved scarabs. He hands one to Erica and has her guess its dynastic origin.
0: I would say middle too late, Abdul Hamdi. <laughs> <laughs> I see I am dealing with an expert.
2: She asks how he ages them and he says he feeds them to turkeys and then fishes them out of turkey shit. He makes her keep this one <laughs> to remember him by. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I like they, her <laughs> line.
0: <laughs> Thank you, I'll think of you every Thanksgiving.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hamdi asks what she's studying here and she brings up Manefta, which seems to freak him out. She says that she's pinned down a 10-year period during the rule of SETI I, where Menefti's architectural work is never mentioned. Hamdi changes the subject to ask about the results of Dr. Lowry's wife's operation, and Erica claims he doesn't have a wife. She sees through his ruse, but it might have been funny if she was like, He said he wasn't married! I'm such an idiot! (laughs) No, no, it was a test, my dear. Hamdi apologizes for testing her, and he shows her the contents of a locked cabinet. It has a five-foot golden statue of Seti I. He tells her to check out the cartouche, and what he finds so puzzling is the mention of two pharaohs, Seti and Tutankhamen, along with a third name. One of the local kids tells him that men are waiting in his shop, and he peeks through a hole in the floor to see who they are. He appears terrified, but goes to see them regardless. Before he leaves, he entrusts Erica with a rare book from 1908 he asks her to deliver it to his son on her upcoming trip to luxor we see him fold up a paper into the book before handing it off he closes and locks the cabinets and heads downstairs erica's curiosity gets the better of her and she unlocks the cabinet to photograph the statue again when she hears the commotion downstairs she looks through the hole in the floor just in time to see men swinging a sword down at hamdi's throat a kopesh Sorry, Hamdi's kopesh. Is that Egyptian <laughs> for throat?
3: Uh, no, that is Egyptian. It's a, that's a weird kind of curvy letter C sword.
2: It's one of those, we've all got swords, swords?
3: Uh, no, no, that's a that's a different kind of sword. The, the kopesh, it kind of goes up straight and then is, it's almost like a question mark. Oh, okay. Like if you picture a question mark as a sword, but not as, anyway, yeah.
2: Interesting. Interesting they start overturning everything in the store in search of something they move upstairs and erica freaks out and runs to a courtyard leaving her bag with the book behind to avoid the men looking through the office unfortunately her bright red hair stands out but nobody seems to notice her she watches them carry the statue out wrapped in blankets and then runs back inside to find her purse but has to quickly duck behind some furniture when a man comes in to collect his bloody sword or what is it called kopesh kopesh Another man enters and they fight for a moment until the unarmed man is thrown back through a partition and lands on Erica where she's hiding. She screams uncontrollably until the unarmed man gets a hand over her mouth. When he removes his hand, she screams again and he slaps her (laughs) before introducing himself as journalist Yvonne Maggio. She wants to call the police, but he urges her not to and she slaps him back.
0: I don't like being slapped even when I am hysterical.
2: She rushes through the marketplace, begging for help, contacting the police, but nobody admits to speaking English.
0: Yeah,
3: and this is also something that immediately bothers me about her character—that she doesn't speak a single word right. of Arabic. Yeah. Now, I, I can see her not being fluent, but if you're an Egyptologist, I'm sure you've had to study like written papers from people from Egypt, right? And had to at least be aware of certain words
2: and she does some translating later like from text yeah so it's just like really you don't you don't know any words not even police which i think would be a very important one
3: yeah, yeah exactly it's so, like again so even if i didn't speak if i was going to france and i don't speak any french i would at least learn a couple of phrases yeah that could help me like i need help or where is the hotel where can i find a phone things like like i would ask just basic questions i would have those memorized
2: but also these people probably speak english and they aren't talking to her because they don't want the police around, so they just get to pretend that they don't know what she's saying. She's mocked and groped and knocked to the ground before Yvonne appears to help her up. The journalist takes Erica to a rooftop cafe where he tells her that Hamdi stole the statue from someone and was offering to sell it on the black market, at the same time as he was going to sell information about where he got it to Yvonne. The people he stole it from are the ones who killed him to get it back, and now Yvonne knows, free of charge, who was after it. Yvonne claims that the reason Marcolis was there was to collect the stolen statue and that Marcolis must have ordered his assassination when he refused to turn it over just as she was walking into the store. Yvonne urges her against contacting the police because the artifact smugglers will disappear as soon as cops are on the trail erica returns to her hotel and as she tucks away her valuables in a dresser drawer she notices a man behind her waiting in the room
3: well and and first of all she's putting stuff in the most obvious places I was right like, i was like no one's going to look for my passport under these pieces of
2: clothing yeah <laughs> in the top drawer of my dresser on the right <laughs> she, side she spread
4: them out slightly like this one goes in this shirt yeah. and this one goes in that shirt
2: <laughs> suddenly the man speaks behind her <gasps> Do you perform that little ritual
0: everywhere you go, Dr. Barron? Or has something made you suspicious of our character as a people?
2: Oh, you mean besides sneaking into my room? (laughs) Uh, But I feel like even at home, let alone in a hotel, it's pretty common practice to tuck away your valuables in a drawer. If she needed a reason to be suspicious, though, she could point at Hassan here and say, You're in my room, played by Frank Langella. Second build in the film and showing up here 30 minutes into the story
4: to be fair we really didn't need 30 minutes before this point no for
2: sure he invites her on a walk and she joins him after he threatens to involve the police they head to his office in the same building he finally introduces himself properly dr hassan director general for the department of antiquities of the egyptian arab republic he asks what her relationship is with Ivan, and she says that she trusts him but she can't answer truthfully if he trusts her when Yvonne enters the office, Hassan excuses them both, but before they leave, he complains about their not having reported Hamdi's murder. Erica provides a vague description of the three men and a motive for the murder, the Seti the First statue in Hamdi's shop. Hassan puts his second-in-command, Gamal, in charge of following her, since she's had eyes on the statue and they hope to locate it.
3: I, I really liked the, one of the exchanges in this scene and when she says that you're the rudest, one of the rudest son of a bitches I've yeah. ever met, and then as Gamal's going out to follow her, he goes, Gamal, am I the rudest son of a bitch you've ever met? And he goes, yes, sir. He goes, <laughs> he goes all right, thank you, Gamal. Yeah, he like smiles about
2: it. <laughs> Leaving her hotel the next morning, Erica is met by her guide for the day. She lets him know that she intends to visit Giza and then Zikara. He urges her to visit a museum instead of Zakara to stay out of the sun. Gamal is overdoing his private investigator shtick with a big hat and newspapers an inch in front of his face.
3: Kamal, we got Kamal here. <laughs> nice <Nobody laughs> cares. <laughs>
2: what are you trying to be, a secret agent? When they pull up to the pyramids, Erica leans into the front seat to say, my God, they're big. And the driver and guide are able to mouth the words in sync with her because they're so used to hearing Americans say this.
3: And also, she's an Egyptologist. She has to have some idea of yeah. how big the pyramids no, are. No, no, no.
2: She's just another tourist.
3: Yeah. I i have never seen them myself and i
2: won't say that when i see them
3: (laughs) yeah because i know they're freaking huge
2: yeah (laughs) we get another one of those monument defacing scenes like in the awakening last year where a woman just climbs all over ancient egyptian structures for photo ops in the background here we see the sphinx which is as relevant as the title will get over the course of the film Mm -hmm. it won't make a reappearance and isn't important to the plot
4: um is she in these scenes Pretending to be tourist-like? or I don't think so. Because no. I thought she was putting on a ruse because I figured she knew she might be being followed and so she was acting like a tourist.
2: What would be the benefit of that?
4: I don't know, but I got lost through a lot of these things and so I think I was trying to read into the story more than that was actually there
2: i'm taking everything at face value now because when we get to the end of the third act i have no fucking idea what's going on <laughs>
4: oh, okay i was really looking forward to you explaining it to me well <laughs>
3: I, I, sorry i i can see both sides of that i can i can see what you're saying that it certainly seems like she's like hamming it up she
4: does right
3: but uh i think she's also just genuinely like
2: She's a dumb Egyptologist.
3: Yeah, I I I feel bad saying that she's a dumb Egyptologist, but, but
2: she is.
4: I mean, it's because there is somebody following her, and yeah. I and I wasn't super clear on why she was going here in the first place. I thought it was like she had arranged to meet the guy or like something. Like I thought that it was sort of like okay, I'm going to throw them off my scent and just make it look like I'm doing touristy things. But But to be fair,
2: she is an Egyptologist who decided to study this country and its ancient ruins for her career, and it's her first time in the country. So she's going to go to these things as a tourist either way.
4: I guess. I I just think that... I you mean, would, if
2: I if I knew someone was following me, it doesn't benefit me to go to Giza any more than it would benefit me to go to the restaurant in my hotel every well, day.
4: Well, I just thought it was throwing them off by thinking like, okay, she's innocuous. She's just doing touristy stuff. She's not doing anything in particular, like trying to get this statue back. And so it would it would be like she's not worth following, or lo- you know, she could lose them in the crowd.
2: But at this point, if anyone is following her, she should know that they're either affiliated with Yvonne. Or with... Uh, or Well, does Marculis know anything about her? Well, He walked he, past her out of a shop.
3: Right, that's true. But at least one of her men can identify that there was a woman there.
2: Because he heard a scream?
3: Well, well yeah, because, like, uh, yeah,
2: that's what I would say. But he didn't see her.
3: No, he didn't see her. But Marculis, you know, if, if one of his men said, oh, I would have gotten a scuffle and a woman screamed, and he would, he could,
2: I don't know, he could Right now, the back. only people that could specifically know that she saw this statue are Hamdi who is dead, Yvonne who she told on of her own free will and Hassan who she also told mm-hmm. yeah and so if anyone's following her okay then it's one of those two people which she seems to believe right. both I,
4: I'll, I'll, I'm with you she's just being a dumb tourist got it
2: Erica moves inside with a tour group and Gamal's driver asks if he's gonna join his wife. Gamal says, oh she's not my wife, I'm on a mission and the driver says, "Well, you better follow her because I saw a girl lose her tail like this on an episode of Hawaii 50." So, Gamal follows her inside the Serapeum, which is a necropolis about 12 miles south of Giza. The guide doesn't feel like going underground with her, so he just gives her a quick overview before they head inside. This is a burial chamber, but all the sarcophagi have been robbed, excepting Ramses the 1st." And she corrects him. "Ramses the 2nd, actually." Ramsey is the first. Ramsey is the second. It's picking nits.
0: Selim, so, how exactly do you get to become a licensed guy? You buy a license. That's what I thought.
2: The group heads underground, and they're being led by an obnoxious American man named Don, played by William Hootkins, and he keeps making bad puns and hitting on all the ladies. Mm-hmm.
0: Hey, I hope we're going the right way, but if this guy's been smoking what I think he's been smoking in the water pipe, we're all going to end up in Pittsburgh.
2: (laughs) And everybody laughs, as though it were funny. Gamal reluctantly follows her. The lights cut out momentarily, but Don gets a lamp running, and suddenly Gamal notices a gunman aiming for Erica. He tackles Erica to the ground as the man opens fire, and Gamal takes the bullet himself. We cut to, presumably hours later, where Erica waits in a holding cell. A guard digs through her purse and removes her passport. At first I thought he was taking the book. Yeah. I was like, oh, crap. But its they're both read, the passport and the book. When the guard is left alone with her, he throws her against the wall and begins to fondle her until suddenly Hazan appears and yanks the man off of her. Weirdly, Hazan has to button her shirt for her, like while they're standing next to each other.
3: Yeah, it... it I mean...
2: It's I, just a weird moment.
3: Yeah, it's a very weird moment. I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I guess... I can feel like he's trying to to help conceal her, like she might be too... Nervous. like she's paralyzed by what just happened yeah, but know. it just but seems it like, feels a like a
2: situation power play thing. yeah exactly yeah. It, it seems like if if you like turn around to give her the privacy to button up her shirt or right. put your coat over her or something yeah. like that but you don't have to delicately button each button of her shirt
4: it almost feels like yeah you deserve everything that's happening yeah and
2: the way you. he talks to her after that isn't really fair either because he follows it up so that the guard gets thrown out of the cell and then she thanks him for saving her and he responds with are you still enthralled with our magnificent traditions like what an idiot like you still think egypt's so great you dumb rapey and the last thing he said to her when she noticed him in her room was why don't you trust us and now he's saying (laughs) you still think we're so great and it's like what make up your mind buddy which is it abe better keep your story straight hassan collects her things and he walks out with them so she has to follow him to get her stuff back and they move to a hotel pool in the shadow of a big pyramid. Erika expresses a desire to head home, and Hazan returns her passport. That night in her hotel room, Erika finds the book that she promised to deliver to Hamdi's son, and a paper folded inside of it. It's a message in Egyptian. Suddenly someone is fiddling at her door with a key ring, and she hides under the bed. She watches footsteps move around her room until a bellhop leans down and finds her under the bed. He's delivering the developed photos that she left at a local pharmacy and as a hilarious joke decided not to knock and just enter the room with the keys to scare the fuck out of her. Yeah. That
4: totally would never happen.
2: Yeah. She makes the dumbest joke excuse possible for hiding under the bed.
4: I was um just checking to
0: make sure that the mattress tags hadn't been ripped off because it's against the law.
2: Yes, Missy what are you fletch (laughs) just tell the guy you thought he was an intruder because he didn't knock or ask permission to enter
4: well and then i'm sitting here waiting for him to have been an intruder and just it was just like had an excuse it's like oh yeah no no i was just delivering these uh Mm -hmm. pictures you developed but like he isn't
2: he's just a bad (laughs) hotel employee who goes into people's rooms without knocking
4: i feel like i was reading into everything that happened (laughs) in this movie and none of it you know panned out
3: (laughs) And I and I immediately recognize this actor as well. Who is this guy? Uh, uh this is Kevork Malakayan. Okay. Uh, I d- don't know his name, but I am familiar with because he is another Indiana Jones. But his alum. fez is familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, he's another Indiana Jones alum, uh, also of many other movies that uh, he appears in. But I immediately recognize him.
2: It sounds like you could spell Kevorkian with the letters in his name, right? Kevorkian Malai.
3: Malik
2: Malachian. She asks him to translate the note that she found in this book, and it says, It says, uh, if you read this, they have found me. You
0: must be careful. We were correct. It is much more than just a statue.
2: She translates the cartouche from her photographs, and tells Yvonne that the words claim that Seti resides under King Tut. Isn't it insanely dumb that Manefta would leave instructions on where to find King Tut anywhere?
3: Yeah, since he was talking about the secret dying with him. Yeah. And then if then I that was a spellhop, I'd be like, uh, this note sounds like somebody died. Yeah. Um but then then she starts looking through some papers and then she writes down Manefta.
2: Yeah. I was like At the top of a sheet of paper, like, Yeah. All right. Just gotta remember that name.
3: Yeah, it's like did you did you decipher that from something or why did you write it down
2: i don't get it they're making plans to head to luxor together where minefta did most of his work when they encounter Marcolis. Marcolus makes a run for it and yvonne follows him the gunman from the Serapeum follows the chase Marcolus grabs erica and gets a knife to her throat i can barely hear what he says here but i think he says i know you saw the letter I'm not quite sure what he says, or which letter he would be referring to, because he doesn't know about the book that Hamdi wanted delivered to his son. I know you saw the letter.
0: No, I didn't.
2: Stop lying. Mon-Major got a word to me. Out of nowhere, a third guy, the gunman, is standing one foot away from them and slashes at Marcolis' face with a knife before he runs off. Erica is furious to learn that Ivan is a traitor and that it's he's giving information to Marcolis from her.
4: I is he? I mean like i don't know who these people work for i get really confused marcolas
2: works for himself
4: okay what is his end goal
2: uh he wants to i mean moving forward he wants to interrupt the route he wants to steal the the treasures of seti's tomb for himself
4: okay so he's just a treasure hunter like I, i i'm just confused they all are yeah. I don't know. I'm just confused as to everybody's motivation in this movie. Well,
3: I, um, I mean, if we're just gonna get ahead a little bit ahead, it was my interpretation of Mark that that he wanted to take over the route.
2: Right. That's what I'm saying. The,
3: the, the, every, everyone is is aware of this this secretive smuggling ring, the the one that Kazan is supposedly trying to close up. Right. Uh, and so, uh, but apparently there's some kind of power vacuum or potential power struggle involving this statue. Which is part of a larger collection that's been discovered to start moving out. Yeah. Um, which, again, bothers me that line of it's much more than just a statue. It's like, no, it ends up not being much more yeah. than just a statue. Well,
2: I it think it's the only, only reason it's more than just a statue is because of the information that they can gleam from the cartouche and also from this, the papyrus later, but we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, what's, what's weird here is that Marcola says, I know you saw the letter. And I don't know what he means by letter unless that's not what he said. And if it's not what he said, I don't know what he says because I don't have subtitles for this movie.
4: The letter – is he talking about the letter
2: – If he means the letter to Hamdi's son –
4: Right. It, it doesn't I don't know, reveal anything.
2: It doesn't reveal anything and I don't know how he would know about that letter because Hamdi wrote it in front of her and gave it to just her and no one else has handled this book.
3: Well, the only thing I could think of is that if there is footage lost – uh, we saw we see a scene of Marculus, uh questioning, or no, or was it the other guy questioning the the hotel uh, staff about Erica coming and going? I don't remember. Uh, I, I, I have it written down Hassan. Uh, so someone questions the hotel staff about Erica's coming and going from the hotel, and so it's possible that he questioned the bellhop and he said, "Oh yeah, she had a letter for for me to read."
2: But either way, he corners her in this area and the the gunman from underground slashes him in the face and he runs off
3: so so far as we understand this gunman is we don't know who he is or who he's working for
2: and i don't think we ever get a name for him
3: uh no i i only know who he is based on the actor yeah uh playing him
2: um and uh but she's mad because apparently yvonne told marcolis something that marcolis told her right so now she knows that if she only told yvonne this information and somehow marcolis got it that that's the leak and he admits that Yvonne told him so now she knows that this guy's not completely on her side she phones Hazan's office to announce that she is headed to Luxor and she arrives at Abdul Hamdi and son's antique shop and knocks on the door until his son Tafik answers She gives him the book and admits to having read the private note inside, and then blurts out all the secret info about the SETI statue and the hotel where he can find her, all within earshot of a kid who is clearly listening with an intent to report this information to someone. Hazan finds her in Luxor and joins her as a guide to the Valley of the Kings. He tells her that these tombs were his childhood playground. He tells her that he had a secret place there where it was just him, and whenever he ran away his uncle knew just where to find him. They head to Tut's tomb, and Hazan flirts with her a bunch until she relents and agrees to go to dinner with him. He urges her to get on a plane tomorrow for her own safety, and he tells her about another young Egyptologist who came to the country last year and thought he was discovering all this information about this underground ring, and then he wound up dead. She only takes this as a rejection as she walks down to the carriage waiting at the street and slaps the horse's ass to indicate to the driver that she won't be needing a ride
4: so at this point i'm really questioning her motivations as well because obviously somebody's out to kill her Mm -hmm. because they were shooting at her
2: she wants to be the next howard carter that's all she wants
4: i i guess i just don't understand why that drive is worth your life and why you would keep digging in here and be like yeah i think i'm gonna leave for a while maybe let this cool down
2: but now, part of it seems to be her relationship with Hassan, which I guess, right, just but... barely started. Like, yeah. We, yeah. We, there's no indication of them first starting to uh, be interested in each other romantically until this moment where right. they have dinner together and he's like, "You should right. get out of here."
4: Which I guess I was confused by that because I was like, he he's offer he's telling her to leave, and she's not taking his advice. But like at this point, they're not seemingly flirtatious until that moment where she's like get out of here driver i'm i'm staying in the night yeah
2: and then we cut to basically like a couple hours later and she's coming out of hassan's home in a robe that matches his robe and they're just standing on the edge of the nile looking out over the nile
3: um, this this in between this is where the scene that i have written down where the the lone gunman checks with the hotel that finds out that erica has not returned yet yeah um also it This guy's motives are unclear because he tries to kill her in a very, although it's very dark, it's still a very public place. There's a lot of people around. But then when he's with her alone, he doesn't try to kill her.
2: Right. But I don't even know for sure if he was trying to kill her or what he was trying to do. But he pointed a gun at her and and he shot Hassan's assistant. Hassan and Erica really don't have any chemistry. And I think it's because Frank Langella is not charismatic at all. He just comes across as like smarmy and angry and mean. And he's also like a foot taller than her, but he has terrible posture. So he's probably actually like a foot and a half taller than her, but he's constantly hunched over. And it's just, uh, they're just a weird couple because it's like Jillian Anderson and Frankenstein.
4: Well, and, and he's done nothing to woo her, in my opinion, at all. No,
2: literally nothing except when he finally gave her a glass of wine and said, get out of the country. And then she was like, oh, this guy. <laughs> this guy likes me. The next day, Erica heads to meet with Sarwat Rahman, the foreman at the dig from the discovery of Tut's tomb. He has already passed away, because that was a long time ago, but his widow is still around. While Erica speaks to the widow, we see Marcolis arrive in Luxor by plane. The widow tells Erica that Howard Carter was good to her husband that he gifted them the shovel that they used to break into the tomb and all the rights to a concession stand in the valley of the kings which is weird that some like white english guy is in charge of who can set up a concession stand in the right. valley of the kings yeah. like fuck you i'll set it up wherever i want
3: well i i guess um I, I guess with the discovery you know he he would have some poll
2: yeah about like but even that seems weird it's like hey In exchange for us taking all of your treasure, Mm -hmm. I wanna make demands of your country. And they are like, all right, you're famous. (laughs) After Erica leaves, we see the widow take the shovel off the wall and twist off the handle to remove the papyrus which was rolled up inside.
3: Why did she do this?
2: Uh, Why didn't she do this a long time ago is another question. Um, But she takes it out and the paper's crumbling in her hands, but she takes it to the corner of the room to burn it. Erica returns just in time to stop her, and Mrs. Rowan tries to bite Erica's hand to get her to let go.
4: What causes Erica to return?
2: She this was plot. suspicious of this lady. <laughs> okay. There's yeah. a, there's other moments later on where it's like, what? There was no clue that led you to that. Turns out Rowan stole the scroll because he thought that it was a curse on the tomb, and that the dig would be canceled if it were discovered and translated. But of course, it wouldn't. Like, no, they just wanted gold. So they would have just kept digging no matter what. Oh, it's a curse. Great. That means you guys are scared to touch it, and I get all the gold.
3: Yeah. Also, what would make you think that stealing the curse from the tomb would stop it from being cursed
2: well i don't think that's it would what stop it is, the curse that
4: it's a curse on the papyrus that's
2: that's what he he said that it would have been a, a curse that someone left at the door to the chamber so that people would be warned away from going inside but that's not what it says yeah and he should have been able to read it or find someone who could read it if erica can figure it out in her hotel room
4: <laughs> i don't understand
3: i i really want manefda's ultimate secret to not robbing the tomb was writing a sticky note and sliding it under the door i was like please do not steal from this tomb
2: yeah erica photographs the papyrus and tells rwan to put it back where she got it from while she does research and the woman like dutifully puts it back in the shovel and hangs it on her wall it's like what fuck you lady i'll set it on fire like i was gonna do a second ago
3: and again like to your point, why didn't she do the why is she waiting till right now to do this?
2: And if she thought it was a curse like what are you worried about now? Are they going to cancel the dig now? This happened 50, 60 years ago. Does it doesn't make any sense. Rowan tells Erica that she is like all the others who take from Egypt. And later, Erica is grabbed by the kid from outside Hamdi's shop. He brings a message from Tafik. She is to meet him alongside a nearby mosque. He will tell her where to find the statue, which is already weird, because Hamdi was killed and the statue was stolen, so Tafiq has no idea where the statue is.
3: And and why does she want the statue?
2: Like, she, she already has the pictures of it. She doesn't yeah, need the statue. There's
3: nothing relevant to the statue. I mean, she, maybe she
4: thinks that there is. It belongs but, in a museum. <laughs> <Yeah>. But even <laughs> if it
2: was, does she think that it's left unguarded somewhere or that someone's going to give it to her for free? because she doesn't have cash on hand to pay for this statue
3: and and if she finds it she can't move it
2: so the fact that she's getting instructions to come and find the statue in person alone is like just 10 giant red flags it's like no don't do that that is a trap in her hotel room that night she translates the text of the papyrus it was written by minefta himself Pointlessly sharing that he found a way to keep Seti's final resting place a secret. But it doesn't even say in this note where Seti's resting place is. It's literally just a note that says, oh god, I came up with a great idea. And then he snuck it into the chamber. And that's a whole big plot point of this movie is finding this papyrus that literally just says, I'm a smart.
4: (laughs) I don't understand this whole papyrus thing. Like, what? I don't... I don't understand why they were hiding it, I guess. They just
2: needed clues and and they're like, what's Egyptian? Papyrus. Okay, so there's a papyrus in there. That's important. Um, Egypt. Let's make it in Egypt. Uh, Erica moves to collect her valuables from under her clothes on the dresser when something occurs to her. People hide things that they like under things, under other things. And that's when she looks at the map of the pyramid with the one room in the middle and then there's a second room underneath it and she goes did anyone think to check the second room in the pyramid i bet i bet there's there's another one underneath it and there is she looks at the map of tut's tomb and points to the queen's chambers under tut's tomb before calling hazan to relay that she is meeting with Tafik tonight at a mosque and he's going to give her the statue for free probably well
3: and she doesn't even say that at the mosque she just says she's meeting with with Tafik. right so he, kazan goes to Tafik's shop right which is Looking not where she it. is right yeah.
2: she notices the gunman from the Serapeum in her lobby when she is suddenly grabbed by ivan who hopes for forgiveness for what he did in cairo which if i understand correctly was selling her out to the murderous Marcolis character yeah which yeah. she should be very angry about But she tells him that she's in a good mood because she just figured out where the statue came from and how all of the treasure has been taken. She asks for help losing her tail in exchange for a big exclusive on her incredible find because she, for some reason, still thinks this guy's a reporter.
3: At this point, though, I feel that she is playing him.
2: Poorly, then. Like, she's like, you're going to help me lose this guy that's following me because you're a reporter and you 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 specialize in helping me lose my tail
3: yeah um but also again now i'm now i'm also concerned wait with is her motivation just to get famous
2: i think so i I think everyone here just wants treasure otherwise she would have flown home already if someone tried to kill me and i didn't have a good reason to stick around then i would leave and the only good reason is to be famous forever for discovering the seti tomb
4: yeah i guess i don't understand what anybody wants in this movie which probably means they all just want the treasure because that just doesn't seem worth it to me which what why nobody's motivation makes sense
2: yeah but instead of excited by this news uh yvonne just seems disappointed by her greed and he tries to like oh well you know you just want gold and that sh- that you should be embarrassed that you want gold like the rest of us do And she's not taking any of this bullshit and tells him to fuck right off with his shitty guilt trip that he wouldn't have used on a man. Like, you wouldn't go to Howard Carter and be like, why are you digging in this pyramid? You probably just want to find the tomb of the ancient pharaohs and be famous forever. And it's like, fucking yeah. That's why I'm here. That's what my job is, is to find these things. Erica leads her tail out of the building, and then Yvonne yanks him off the street, where we see them wrestle over a knife for a moment, before cutting to erica getting out of a taxi near the mosque where she was told to meet hamdi it's empty and it seems closed for the night but the lights are all still on and none of the doors are closed suddenly someone appears who promises to lead her to tafik at the same time hassan is trying to find erica in luxor and kicks in the door to tafik's shop and finds him dead inside with his hands nailed to a cabinet full of antiquities at the same time a man promises to lead Erica to the Serapeum, where she's going to meet with Hamdi. She is led to the top of some stairs, when suddenly her escort shoves her down these stone steps into a chamber, which he locks behind himself. She swings a flashlight around the room and discovers another corpse in here with her. Weirdly, the dead body is right next to a doorway blocked with loose rocks, suggesting escape should not have been especially difficult.
3: Yeah, Um. and I'm, I was only assuming that this was the guy that kazan was maybe talking about the other guy who went missing
2: oh from last year yeah Yeah. maybe but it's weird because they they go to the trouble of showing you this person died in this corner of the chamber right next to a tunnel that they could easily have dug through to escape Mm -hmm. first of all second of all i was like okay well maybe he was dead already no he wasn't dead already because he has one of the rocks in his hand like he started to dig himself out and then just rolled over and died so maybe he was shot once or something like that but there should have been some explanation for why this person didn't dig their way out but he didn't and for some reason she thinks she has to roll the body over like i thought she was gonna like check the other side of it for clues or something and she goes to roll the body over and just screams because she touched a dead body and then never goes back to the body again but she digs all these rocks out and then there's a perfectly useful hole to escape through so she crawls through that and her flashlight dies so she's forced to make a torch and uh sorry
3: all this is so like I, it's like i cannot wait to compare this to raiders yeah when cuz like, indeed the torch is going out and it's like where are we going through that wall
2: yeah <laughs> well so so she for some reason she crawls through this tunnel backwards um
3: well cuz i think cuz there's a drop
4: yeah i wouldn't want to go head first on that drop
2: i wouldn't go feet first to a drop if i didn't know how far down it went
4: well if you have to go through a hole and you don't know how far down it goes which one are you choosing
2: i would put my head through first to see how far down it goes i
4: don't know that you can see in there it's pitch black
2: well either way it just seems weird to trust that they didn't make this deep enough to kill me i mean
4: i feel like she knocked some stones down in there she knows it's deep
2: what if that what if she went feet first and fell 11 stories to her death and She's going
4: to die in that other room anyways.
2: Unless they come back 15 minutes later and we're like, we put you in a holding cell and you jumped off a cliff, you fucking idiot.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, what happened to this guy? We don't know. He was here when we found yeah. it. <laughs> oh
2: my God, another mummy.
3: <laughs> this guy buried, This guy apparently walled himself in here because otherwise, yeah. why did he escape? He still has a
2: rock in his hand. He clearly did this himself. But yeah, she crawls backwards through this thing and she falls into the next chamber, uh, which luckily for her, it's only like eight feet that she drops and she goes to light another torch and quickly realizes that the room is full of corpses and bats and that the the (laughs) torch that she lit was actually just a human foot was it a hand or a foot
3: i think it was an arm but but also very reminiscent to marion waking up in the room full of corpses Mm -hmm. when 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 they break through the wall it's like there's so much of this movie that mirrors indiana jones later
2: yeah later this same year she collapses in the fluttering flock of bats. Oh, Are that, they called flocks? I don't know. Swarms? Swarm of bats. That sounds more likely.
4: I'm looking up. I'm looking up what a group of bats is called.
2: A flutter. It's like they should switch bats and crows, but they don't.
3: Horde. Horde.
2: Of bats? Colony. Colony. She collapses in a fluttering colony of bats. Hassan arrives in the town where erica was led to the widow's home
4: C- can also be called a cauldron of bats a cauldron yeah.
2: i'm definitely using that hold on <laughs> she collapses in a fluttering cauldron of bats <laughs> Hassan arrives in the town where erica was led to the widow's home and then we see erica exiting a giant cave at night and sneaking her way all the way over to tut's tomb which is uh not in a pyramid right it's like buried in a in a valley right and uh and so she goes into this building after hours a dog notices her and starts barking until a soldier shuts it up and it sounds like the dog's name is hitler (laughs) i couldn't tell what the guy says but it sounds like he's telling the hitler dog to shut up the soldier moves into the bathroom where erica is hiding and checks every stall before he starts to pee same as anybody would while he pees We see that Erica is hiding in a crawl space above the urinals, and while she tries to remain quiet, just by coincidence, she happens to find a trap door with her hands.
3: Yeah.
4: (laughs) I was like, wait, I
3: I thought something was leading her to these places.
2: Nothing is leading her here. So,
4: okay, so this building that she went to, this is the concession stand.
2: Yes. Okay. Next to Tut's tomb. Right. The visitor center. Yeah, the visitor
4: center slash concession stand. So this is what that guy was given. But, like, so that's why she went there?
2: What I want to know is, did Carter give him this concession stand because he knew Seti was there?
4: And he didn't want somebody digging down there?
2: Or because he wanted only Rowan to have it? Or Or does he... I'm assuming that if Howard Carter knew there was another burial chamber there, he would have wanted that fame and just dug it up himself. I
3: I, I think what's happening is that that Rowan found the papyrus realized where the secondary tomb was
2: how did he figure that out because there's no clue to that in the papyrus
3: there there is something about something below
2: no that was not that was not in that 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 was that was on the cartouche
3: was it on the cartouche yeah okay because i was gonna go really broad and say he specifically built his concession stand there because he knew he could dig there i i do think that's true i i believe that
2: okay but but the question is how did rwan figure that out I don't know. Unless he figured it out from that statue.
4: Where was that statue originally?
2: I thought it was in the chamber. That's what I thought. Yeah, me too.
4: So you can't find it. So it's like as useful as one of those
2: maps that says you are here. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, great, thanks. I already knew that.
3: (laughs) I know where I am. I need to know where I'm not.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so I don't I don't know they they never really explain how Rowan found this place. And you would think that the papyrus would spell it out, but all the papyrus says is I found a great way to hide the chamber. I learned it from the stone cutter. Like like the person who's reading the papyrus knows which stonecutter he's talking yeah. about thousands of years later. But uh, they don't really make it clear how he found this place. But Rowan talked to Carter and he said, Hey, for no reason I want uh a concession stand right here mm-hmm. can you get me the rights to this square block of uh, neighborhood and he was like yeah sure I'll I'll just phone up the the president of Egypt or whoever and we'll set that up and so he's been here and he built this thing but as far as she knows Seti is under Tut because that was explained on the cartouche and she knows that Rowan had this concession stand mm-hmm. but I don't know how she figured out oh climb climb into a crawl space above the urinals in the bathroom and find a trap door that leads to this whole thing.
4: So I think that part of that is, which she explains later, is that she, I think, put two and two together when... What's his name? Ha- Hamdi? Ha- Hamdi, no. The, the Franklin jell guy. Hassan? Hassan. When Hassan was saying that he had his own place to to be as a child like this this little crawl space thing is kind of like a kid's hiding place yeah so maybe that's where she was like okay this is where kids hide and she just randomly found this thing that wasn't you know a tunnel to the chamber
2: maybe it's something to do with that and i, I know she was also tipped off by the fact that mrs Rowan had so many nice things that she mm-hmm. was like oh well you clearly have like someone supporting you with money somehow and so she thinks that this woman's skimming off of what they smuggle out of the burial chamber.
3: Uh, she also finds, while in the crawl space, uh, a couple of un- uh, used, can- it's not unused, but used, slightly burned candles. Right. So I guess she was thinking, like, well, why would someone have so many candles in here?
2: But she doesn't have. But it's a bathroom. Yeah, it's <laughs> I, a bathroom. I, yeah. I
3: fully expect there probably to be used <laughs> candles tossed away. Yeah.
2: Why are there all these urinal cakes up here? Must be treasure. Must <laughs> be treasure nearby.
3: nearby. <laughs> <laughs> My nose smells something and it smells like treasure. There's gold near here.
2: <laughs> yes. Um, but I don't know how she has confirmed for herself that the Rowan family is involved in this smuggling ring.
3: And and also how how <laughs> they got the statue out of this trap door.
1: Yeah,
4: in and
2: out. Yeah, well, it doesn't really make like, a lot of sense.
4: Yeah, there must be another way in and out of this place because this there's not any way that you could smuggle large items out of this. Right.
2: Thing. She lowers herself into this chamber and she walks through this roughly hewn corridor. At the end of a hall, she finds a switch for lights, and then she finds herself in the middle of Seti's tomb. All the artifacts are here, and she's giddy with excitement. Apparently, the recreations of these tombs took six months to put together. Looks so, great. The, the Tut tomb and yeah. this tomb together.
4: I felt the Tut tomb felt fairly realistic to me. This doesn't yeah, feel I like... Yeah, I almost
2: thought, did they shoot this at the yeah. at the actual Tut? Like,
4: but this one doesn't feel like an actual Egyptian tomb at all because it is enormous, which yeah. is not how those chambers
2: are. Right, but they did make the point earlier when they were on their... um, When, when Hassan was giving her a tour and he said, yeah, I, I'm sure you noticed... That there they're like vaulted ceilings in this yeah. tomb, which is not normal. So he was saying that that's that's what made Seti's tomb so wonderful, is that it was it was literally built extravagantly tall compared to a normal mm. tomb. Because his was better than
3: Tut's. But I also think it's believable in the sense for me, like I it's like if, if this had been like a national treasure-esque sized, like burial chamber with this massive, massive opening, it was like, no, this is a fairly large room it, it reminds me a lot of the macgyver episode with uh alexander I have the osiris career. yeah that, that's that's what this kind of like he's like yeah this is kind of a believable room yeah it's big but not too big yeah not and impossibly it, big and it's completely packed full of stuff and 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 not like in a decorative way it's just like stuff is crammed in there and it's like yeah i kind of feel like this is how it would look
2: yeah erica returns to her hotel room somehow and once again encounters Marcolis and makes a run for it. He chases her into the lobby until he is stopped by the gunman and Yvonne. This is where she finally realizes that Yvonne is not on her side. Marcolis informs Erica that Yvonne is the one paying the gunman to follow her around. Yvonne demands the location of the statue from Marcolis. If
0: I knew where the statue was, why would I be following her? Because she saw your men kill Hamdi. You think they were my men? <laughs> Then you're the fool Major.
2: so right here we just found out that Yvonne thinks that Marcolis took the statue and Marcolis thought that Yvonne took the statue so there's a third party of bad guys yeah, yeah. I, don't involved.
4: Know, I don't know who took anything I don't I don't know who knows what I am so confused at this point
2: well there's two possibilities in in my mind which is I don't know which of these people Rowan's family is involved with. If yeah. if he's involved with either one of them, I don't think he is. I, I don't think I think Rawan's family has teamed up with the third party. Well, we and know both of these well, guys want to. We're going to find
3: out who the third party is here in a moment.
2: Right, but for, but at this moment in the story, we know that both of these guys want to take over the smuggling route. Correct. That Rawan's people currently hold. So unless there's four teams of bad guys. Rowan's family is teamed up with the third party that we, that we haven't figured out yet. Marcolus points Yvonne at Erika and tells him to ask her what she knows since she's been missing all night and she's dirty from exploring some cave somewhere. Yvonne drags her into an adjoining room and he asks her when she lies that she met with Tafik, and asked him a few questions but got nowhere. Yvonne admits here that he had Tafik killed and then a gunshot rings out from the other room. Yvonne runs to see what happened and looks over the balcony to see Marcolis dead on the ground, and the gunman claims he was trying to escape. I'm, n- I'm not getting a good sense of how high up on this building they were. Yeah. Did, did John Rice Davis just dive off of the balcony of the third floor and B- die?
3: Well, they must have both jumped off. Yeah, because the bad guy's down there, too. Yeah, how did he get
2: down there? But either way, uh, Marcolis is dead. Erica flees the building and jumps into a horse-drawn carriage by the curb. As the driver offers her a continually decreasing price she gets out and steals a truck with 20 guys standing in the bed she slams on the gas drawing attention to herself as a bunch of passengers fall out of the back and yvonne and the gunman give chase one of the men in the truck bed reaches in the driver's side window to stop her and she uses the widow's trick of biting his arm (laughs) suddenly there's a crate truck loading in the middle of the street And Erica waits until the last second to steer around it, but the men chasing her have ample time to do the same and apparently chose to crash into the truck. (laughs) Next, they intentionally crash into the side of Erica's truck, and then they crash a third time into the side of a previously uninvolved vehicle. It's probably the worst choreographed car accident that I've ever seen because there's too much time for everyone to avoid crashing, and they do it anyway. And they're all going so slow. Unless the twist is that Yvonne is trying not to follow her. Another car that he hits crashes into a building, and when the driver gets out, a homeowner dumps water off of the roof onto the driver's head, I'm not clear if this is a regular practice in Egypt that you just climb up on the roof and dump water off of your building. It might be a
4: chamber pot.
2: Well, he stands there for like six seconds of her dumping it on his head instead of immediately freaking out.
4: This is what you do, like in Dr. Fu Manchu when he just stands there getting hit by the sprinkler for a while. Yeah, but the <laughs>
2: sprinklers aren't shooting piss all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was just cold out and the guy was like, ah, oh, that's better. Anyway,
3: <laughs> instantly made it worse. <laughs>
2: Yvonne pulls up alongside Erica's vehicle as his assistant, shoots out the tires, and then Erica shoves their car off the side of the road before plowing straight through a wall on purpose again <laughs> because she's looking straight out the windshield. And then at the last second, she goes, Oh no! And then crashes just full speed through a wall. She rushes into Hazan's office and tells him things that I hadn't figured out yet. Firstly, that she knows exactly where Seti's tomb is and that Rowan's family has been looting it for years. And it's like, how do you know that? Like, she has nice stuff in her house, but she explained that by saying that Howard Carter took good care of their family over right. the years. So you could assume that that's where all of their their riches came from. You didn't have to explain that. You could have pretended like Howard Carter didn't take care of the family really well. His immediate response is,
0: Rawan's family, they've been looting it for years. How did
2: you get
0: out? Just call the police they're going to be here any minute who's going to be here Ivana. Minute? what do you mean how did i get out
2: she realizes here that he hasn't made a move to call the police and hassan's uncle appears the one who locked her in the underground chamber the uncle points a gun at her and hassan gets in the way suddenly the gunman and Yvonne are popping up in the windows and shooting into the house and the uncle is returning fire then hassan is returning fire and he shoots through a window breaking the glass but it's like embarrassingly out of sync with the gunshot (laughs) like it's almost a second later the window tips
3: also it's one of those shootouts where anything that's made of glass is getting shot and no one else is getting shot
2: right so now we have one egyptologist who trusts everyone four men who have tried to betray her multiple times and she's still taking orders from hassan who tells her which way to escape this shootout the uncle tries to shoot at Erica while she's climbing over a wall and Hassan is forced to kill his own uncle. Hassan then kills Ivan while he stands at the edge of a dock. Now this this part is so confusing. She climbs over a wall to get away from where all these people are shooting at each right. other. And she seems to be going toward Ivan mm-hmm. who is standing at the end of a dock next to a boat. Hassan sees this happening and he shoots Ivan and Ivan dies on the dock and then Hassan walks out onto the edge of the pier. Mm-hmm. he gets into the boat and he just sails off <laughs> He drives away into the middle boat. of the lake, and Erica's standing on the shore like where what are where are you going why did why am I alone?" And then we just cut to twelve hours later, like should I understand the the motive for that i don't I don't know why he left
4: i don't I don't know anything. I'm so lost at this point.
2: All of the bad guys have been shot dead except for the good guy who knew that his uncle locked her underground and left her to die. We cut to the next day, Erica rides a horse to the Valley of the Kings and she finds Hassan in Seti's tomb. She demands that they run away together because she's in love with this murderous schlub, but here she notices that he was shot in the attack yesterday. She won't leave his side because she's completely in love with him for no apparent reason. She tries to walk him out of the tomb. And he makes her scout ahead for a moment, but when she comes back, she finds him destroying the threshold with a sledgehammer and crushing himself with rocks in the process.
3: Yeah, that door just comes right... I thought he was going to stand on the other side of the door and let it come down.
2: I think that was his plan, (laughs) he (laughs) fucked up, like he just timed it wrong. I
4: don't think you want to close yourself in there and die of, like, starvation.
2: I think he wanted to be like a pharaoh buried in the tomb with all these treasures. I don't
4: know, I feel like I'd choose the door I'd, well, I, I'd, I'd rather get smushed right away than, than die of starving in a tomb.
2: I don't know, maybe. I mean, presumably Seti is still in here, right? Yeah, and... So you got mummy jerky, at least for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Delicious.
3: Um, and And this... I mean, I know we're not quite at the end, but this is always one of the things that bothers me, like, as far as archaeological finds that are still relatively easy to access right and uh because the whole cave collapses and it's really kind of frightening yeah her 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 escape through these tunnels with stuff's falling on her and she's just being the whole cavern is filled with sand dust it's it's like like
2: the last 10 minutes of almost every mummy movie is the collapse of the of the entire structure
3: but this is the first time i actually felt like oh man this actor is in danger Mm. because like there's so much dust in the air like in, in the Brendan fraser mummy things are collapsing but it's just it's so it's so cleanly filling yeah. and this is just like explosions of of small particles in, in the air and it's like oh man and she's getting clobbered by rocks on the way out yeah um,
2: and she's just having a panic attack in the hallway too because stuff's falling behind her and in front of her yeah so yeah. she's like what do i do now but she manages to get herself out and uh and her boyfriend hassan is buried in this chamber forever So does that mean he gets all that stuff in the afterlife too? Because that's the point, right? (laughs) Like, is he also rich or does he show up and he's like, Hey, Seti, guess what? I get half of your shit now (laughs) because I died in the same room.
3: But he wasn't mummified.
2: Oh, is that the rule?
3: I I don't know the rules
2: she escapes the chamber and mourns the death of the man who consented to her murder yesterday she sits on the steps outside tut's tomb and a tourist asks if she's been digging or found anything
0: nothing to write home about
2: we get one last glimpse of the treasures of seti buried with hassan and it fades to black that's the end of our film
0: yeah
3: so it really bothers me in movies where you have this great archaeological find and there's a cave-in granted A a a pretty pretty substantial cave in, but it was dug once. It can be dug again.
4: Well, that's that was going to be exactly my question when we got to the end here. Like, isn't she just going to go tell someone and be like, "I found Seti's tomb. It's right there." Yeah,
2: Yeah. she totally would. But this is what happened in uh, the Legend of the Holy Rose (laughs) and the MacGyver episode where it's like, "Oh, we found uh, we found all this like famous biblical artifacts, and uh, they're in this room. Oh, but it kind of." partially collapsed on the top part it's yeah like, let's never go back
3: <laughs> let's never try to uncover this room ever again it's it's like the the you know the goonies with the pirate ship sailing off it's like okay well get out there in a boat yeah <laughs> and go grab that ship
2: yeah there's so much freaking gold
3: <laughs> or it's gonna sink eventually because there's no way that ship is gonna sail forever and right. when it goes down you get you get your ass out there yeah um also all those caves are filled with stuff like, I mean, most of it was booby traps, but it was all made from old pirate stuff. That's going to be, like, worth a major amount of money. Anyway, i I also get... The, goodies,
2: but- the implication seems to be from the final shot that the chamber was undisturbed. Correct, Like, yeah. somehow the door yeah. collapsed shut yeah. and all- everything else broke apart, but the room is fine.
4: But, like, I don't understand... Does she have some sort of reverence for, like, they're keeping it secret now? Like, it it didn't feel like we were convincing her that this was something that she wanted to now preserve. Right. I, yeah. I
2: honestly think the the point of the film is that all of these thieves and murderers who have been telling her the whole time don't be greedy, that message actually sunk in and she's like, they're right. All those crazy murderer types were right. I should be less greedy. I'll leave all this stuff where it is. Even though there's nobody left to control it because literally only only Hassan and his uncle knew about this place.
4: I, I felt like we were going we were again i was trying to read too much into this i thought we were going to be unraveling some sort of secret where they left a trail of people trying to protect the tomb yeah because like like at the, the mummy right exactly just like the mummy because at the beginning he's like well if it's unguarded we're not we're we're gonna rob it so i'm like oh so there's been some lineage of guards right. like in the mummy and then she's gonna fall in love with one or she's going to meet one and respect him and then she's going to continue the the preservation of Sadie's tomb but that's not what actually yeah happens. she doesn't
2: like put on war paint and then stand outside the concession stand with a spear at the end of the movie <laughs> which would have implied that but here's my other question is that if these people are like evil and they're just taking stuff out of the tomb to pay for their own lifestyles why does the tomb still seem full if like 50 years later you haven't sold enough stuff
3: there's that much stuff in there
2: i guess it's just uh i think it, it would have made more sense if it were clear that something has been taken from this room other than the one statue that they immediately stole back yeah and also we never figure out who leaked that statue like yeah, how did it get out where did hamdi <laughs> get this statue and how did he like they clearly took it back from him and put it back where it was but for some reason Hamdi is the only person who figured out this other place.
3: I, I'm, I'm assuming it was a hole in the organization that was plugged, but stuff got out, and that's what Franklin Is this Lengal. an
4: organization?
3: I, I, think, I think Are there more people? I, I think that when Marculus tells Yvonne that he's trying to take over the route, in, quote, in quotation marks, that everyone is aware that there is a smuggling ring. Right. And, and no one knows quite who it is or where it is. Or, or what the head of it is. Yeah. Um, but Marculus seems to think that Yvonne is trying to make a power move to take it. And perhaps Marculus was part of it or w- worked with the people who were involved with it. Um, because he seemed to want that statue. But I don't know if maybe he was working as an agent of Hassan. like In the sense of, like, hey, if you find this statue... We'll cut you
4: in, but, or... But that's to imply that there's more people out there that yeah, know exactly. all this stuff, so... But
2: I, I think the implication of the story is that only two people actually know the location of the tomb. Okay. And that the two of them, the uncle and Hassan, we'll take were individual taking items things out. out one at a time and finding people to fence them.
4: Okay. But, but we don't know how the statue got out.
2: Right. i mean there must be some like there was a bunch of tunnels down there there's there's some other way to get into it yeah it probably leads into like a shed somewhere that just says electrical on the side because they know no one's gonna look there
3: (laughs) that's where the septic tank is don't go in there
2: it's it's where the the alien from without warning keeps all of his bodies our director here was franklin J. schaffner he directed planet of the apes Patton. Papillon, Boys from Brazil, all four of which were scored by Jerry Goldsmith, as we mentioned in our Casablanca review. I mean Cabo Blanco, same thing. Writer John Byram wrote and directed Heartbeat for us last year, and he comes back to write and direct Razor's Edge for us in 1984. Novelist Robin Cook also wrote the novel that was previously adapted into Coma, which I said before. Uh, Coma was adapted into a screenplay and directed by Michael Crichton, which is interesting because usually... Uh, He's adapting his own work, or someone else is adapting his work. It's not usually Michael Crichton adapting a different novelist. It seems like Coma did okay in the box office, and as a result, the Sphinx novel was a bestseller before it was even released. And greenlighting the adaptation was a no-brainer, because no one had even read the book yet. The music here was from Michael J. Lewis. He scored North Sea Hijack, a.k.a. Folks, for us last year. Cinematographer Claude Renoir is not a renaissance era painter (laughs) uh he is credited dp on barbarella and the spy who loved me he had barely started production when he suffered some sort of eye injury and was replaced with the credited dp ernest day as a result this is claude renard's last dp credit editor michael f anderson we just discussed his work three episodes back as the editor of cabo blanco the other editor robert swink did papillon rooster cogburn boys from brazil and going in style Leslie Ann Down was Erica Barron. We just had her as Jillian Bromley in Rough Cut last year opposite Burt Reynolds. She's probably best known for her hundreds of appearances each on soap operas Sunset Beach and Bold and the Beautiful. She was also Georgina Worsley on the British series Upstairs, Downstairs. She married assistant director Enrique Gabriel during the production. Frank Langella played Ahmed Hazan. He got an Oscar nomination for playing Nixon in Frost Nixon. He was Skeletor in Masters of the Universe. We saw him last year in Those Lips, Those Eyes. And just before that, he was the title character of John Badham's Dracula in 79. John Gilgood was Abdu Hamdi. We saw him last year in Caligula, Elephant Man, and the Formula. This year he'll show up in Lion of the Desert, Chariots of Fire, and Arthur after this. Vic Tablion played Khalifa. Maybe that's the gunman? That's the
3: gunman, yeah. Again, only I only know that that's him because it's like, oh, well, I recognize this, this right. guy. Uh,
2: he'll be back later this year as Baranka, a.k.a. the Monkey Man in Raiders. Uh, Martin Benson played Muhammad. He's Father Spoleto in The Omen and Solo in Goldfinger. He'll be back later this year as Mr. Montero in The Sea Wolves. John Rice davies was Stefanos Markolis. He's Gimli. He's Sala. He's Professor Maximilian Arturo. You know him
4: yeah he is yeah. yeah that's maximilian archer i know
2: william hootkins played don we had him last year as colonel taylor in bad timing and munson dr zarkov's assistant in flash gordon get your toothbrush or whatever later this year we'll have him talking about top men and raiders of the lost ark there's a lot of raiders people in here.
3: yeah um can we verify something on vic to t- 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 Balin? yep um because the imdb photo is of him isn't of the monkey man it's it's, of...
2: it's it's there's a slash like he plays two characters he does play two characters yeah okay just checking yeah who is the other character that he plays um the
3: guy who um with uh dr ock doc octopus uh india has two guys at the beginning when they're when
2: they're finding the the cave yeah yeah yeah. okay that makes sense i remember dr Octopus's? that well that that character's name is baronka that's why it says baronka slash monkey man because he shows up later in the movie i'm not sure that it's not the same guy he might be he might have been the guy who led indiana jones to that cave and also was Mm -hmm. uh with the monkey later those are all the credits i had for this one
3: oh well i I covered uh Malachian, uh who is uh the uh b- brother of the cruciform sword right. in Last Crusade, who is yeah. uh the I guess ally of Indy overall. Um he like he, he certainly wasn't an, an enemy he, he was an enemy at first, but realized um uh, I also like him in the remake of the Flight of the Phoenix movie. Oh, uh, okay.
2: Which with Giovanni Ribisi. And, yeah, yeah,
3: and- Dennis Quaid. It's not a great it was a it's a weird movie to remake in modern times because you don't it'd be like home making home alone now with cell phones it's like doesn't make the plot doesn't work unless it's in that time
2: uh i didn't realize it was present day on the remake i didn't see
3: yeah yeah it's an old plane but it's still like the it's still like relatively modern
2: does that mean it's time for a last flight of noah's ark remake
3: uh no no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're good yeah we're, we're fine like, on that
2: oh wait there's 130 year old japanese guys here who don't know that world war ii ended <laughs> how is that possible
3: um oh and the sorry uh the uh i'm gonna again i'm bad with names here uh, i'm gonna say tute- frank langola langolier <laughs> Lang- oh, um uh Tute lemkau uh who played tafiq
1: oh
2: okay he
3: plays the old man who john rice davis indiana jones go to see about the uh medallion translating the medallion
2: so they must have just been hanging out in egypt right and they were like shooting raiders and they were like hey is there any other films that are shooting in town that right? we can yeah. audition for while we're down
3: um uh my last note is for the uh lady car carmarvon Lady carmarvon yeah yeah um because this i was like oh that's victoria tenet yeah um you know she's in all of me and la story yeah um and i don't and i was it was like oh i hope i hope we get to see more of her (laughs) yeah and nope she's
2: just in the one scene um yeah this movie i was very excited i think 20 minutes in and i texted both of you guys like holy crap this is exactly what we thought it was going to be and then from there it just fell apart
3: (laughs) Uh, i actually really enjoyed this movie
2: overall I Um, think by the end, I I didn't like it.
4: I didn't like it pretty much the whole time. Like, I love love movies like this, but this movie was baffling. Like, none of it made sense to me the entire way. I kept thinking, okay, I'm piecing this together, and then I just never did. And it, it just, I don't, it wasn't a good story.
2: I definitely got the impression that the book was probably written quickly because he had to strike while the iron was hot. And that they they weren't concerned with it making as much sense as long as they got to an ending that seemed satisfying and it didn't matter if you could keep track of all the players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but because so many of the villains of this story are completely interchangeable, they're all just angry Egyptian guys who want to be in control of treasure from this one room. And that's literally the backstory for all three of the people that right, she's right. fighting with the entire time. Then it's just like... What, what, how are these people any different from each other?
3: I, I liked that this movie was a female-led movie uh, because I think that it's interesting to, to have this like a, 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 this female Egyptologist, but it's really upsetting that she doesn't know anything about Egypt as a country. Yeah,
2: she has a doctorate in Egyptology.
3: Yeah, uh, she reminds me a bit of Denholm Elliott's character in, uh, in Last Crusade when he's in Iskendron and he's like, does anyone here speak English or even ancient Greek?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's like, that's all he's got. It's perfect. Uh, uh,
3: But, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I had an, I had an okay time watching this movie.
2: Yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it's a fun watch if you turn off your brain and you're just like, all right, this is fun. Like whatever, I'll watch these people fight. But if you're trying to pay attention to the story, it's very cluttered. It it doesn't. Plot points don't logically follow from each other, and it's it's not as nice a system where this clue leads to this room, yeah. which leads to this clue, which leads to this I don't room. Know. I'm which pretty is,
4: good at turning off my brain at, at, when movies when I'm just like, well, this is really fun. But it wasn't like even if you ignore all the plot holes in the there's story, there's a lot of talking. It's long and it's not very action filled. Like it's just. I, I don't know. It doesn't have a lot going for it. Plus, it's got a bunch of weird story issues.
2: I got the impression with that car chase scene that they were very limited in what they could do because they were shooting in Egypt and they were like, okay, well, these people are letting us use their cars, but we can't wreck them. So let's just drive like five miles an hour and crash into each other.
3: But we can totally climb all over these ancient monuments. Yeah, that's fine. Or I'll
2: dance around on the Sphinx like <laughs> an idiot.
3: Or we're going to have her climb up on the Sphinx, get the shot really quick because they're going to yell at us. Yeah,
2: exactly. I, I was surprised we didn't see her like just climbing one of the pyramids at one point. But yeah, no, um, I would say for me, this is probably a thumbs down.
4: Oh, it's definitely a thumbs down for me. It's gonna
3: be a thumbs up for me. Okay. I like to be contrary to you guys, although I am gonna change. <laughs> so,
4: I bet you it's still in the same part of our list. Yeah, well, actually,
3: I'm I am gonna bump it down based on some things that we were talking about. Yeah, I did have it in my number three spot.
4: Whoa, <laughs> holy shit, I, Harley! Richard.
3: Yeah, I, I uh, because to me, everything below that is just like blah. All right. It's a real steady, but I would watch this again. If anything, I would watch this again just because of all the Raiders stuff that has nothing to do with Raiders because it was before Raiders. I would watch this
2: again if I could find like a Blu-ray of it. But I'm not going to watch it again otherwise. The one that we watched was the one off of archive.org, which was a very, very low resolution version of the movie. To the point that when she hands the letter to the bellhop, I didn't know that she was asking him to translate it for her because I couldn't even see what the letters were on it.
3: Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I bumped this down. It's now in my number four spot.
1: All right,
2: Jess, uh, where's this going on your so, list? Well, oh, but, sorry. Yeah. What's it above?
3: So it's now in my number four spot, which puts it uh, below Fear No Evil, but above Windwalker.
2: Okay.
4: All right, I got it in number eight out of 13 for the year. Uh, it's below Cabo Blanco and above Fort Apache, the Bronx.
2: I have it in 10th. Uh, it's just under Blood Beach and just above Earthbound. Because I didn't really care for the movie, and I thought it was very sloppily made. Well, it's going to move down on my list. Like,
3: things are going to go above it. Right away. Yeah,
2: we've had a lot of stinkers up front. Um but uh, we'll, we'll fix that. I think that's everything for Sphinx. If you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd, Whereas I've said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. We also have a Discord now. You can find a button at the top of our .com and join the 24-7 movie chat and share your thoughts on episodes past, present, and future. Also, search for Vintage Video Podcast on YouTube and subscribe to our channel there. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing American Pop, which IMDb describes like so. The story of four generations of a Russian-Jewish immigrant family of musicians whose careers parallel the history of American popular music in the 20th century. We leave you now with a trailer for American Pop.
0: Salmi should have been a star. The kid's a genius. But there were complications. Benny could have been famous, but life got in the way.
1: It ain't no use to sin, Wonder Wide, babe.
0: Tony had a brush with success.
1: you the one who writes the songs? Don't you know I'm nothing without you. you? But sin,
0: had to let it go. Why, I want you to play. One of my songs. So it was up to Pete to grab it, hold it, and make himself heard. Working on a night move. Trying to make some front page driving news. Working on a night move. One family. Some music I love. Four generations. This is work, this is play. In love with the sound. Of American pop. Ralph Batchy, the creator of Fritz the Cat and Lord of the Rings, now takes modern animation, a quantum leap forward, with a motion picture of incredible beauty and remarkable power. Do you dance to it, drive to it, sing with it, or swing with it. If you can crank it up, plug it in, or switch it on, if it assaults your senses, rocks your body, or touches your soul, it's American pop. Thank you.